I think it's only come up once very briefly ages ago on this podcast, but uh, I mean, you're a big Eagles fan, Philly Eagles, and they're doing incredibly well. And because we've, we've talked about it a little bit when we, you know, when we first started hanging out and I think, I don't remember if we watched any games together. I'm not sure, but did you come over for the Super Bowl party I had once? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's true. And I was reading an article a few weeks ago about how they're, you know, they're doing incredibly well and how that is rooted in the drafts they have done in the not only this season but also the some previous ones. And then it went into detail. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I thought, you know, I got the the gist of how the draft system works but then they went into yeah you can uh, swap out draft picks for this and that and i was very confused so shot can you help me <laughs> and explain the draft system to me maybe all right so first of all just to clarify that's a, an american football team the philadelphia eagles just so that yes. if, if anyone's not aware um so the the draft system in general so it actually works like this in all north american sports or the major sports in which um, you don't have, it's, it's a way to enter in new players into the league. So you don't have, like you have in, in European soccer, where you have a, a academies that, you know, they recruit kids from a very young age and they kind of build them up, um, in difference, uh, within their, uh, team infrastructure from a young age and kind of build them into their own players. That's not how it works in, in North America, generally speaking, because, um, it schools, um, are the where are the place where students uh, or children are? Yeah, they would say student athletes, but students uh, um, participate in sports. It kind of begins at a high school level, where or even middle school to some places. But um, students uh, or children will begin their you know ac- uh, their athletic career in high school, and then they'll go on to college, and then they'll play in college for a while, and then from there they will then try to go pro. And in growing pro, they enter a draft. And as you know what a draft is, uh, a draft is where each team gets a <laughs> certain number of uh, picks, and they will then pick from a pool of players that have entered the draft. And, I mean, this isn't exclusively for people who have gone to university or college to study, um, or to study and play. It is for anyone who declares for the draft, and often there are minimum age requirements. So, for example, in the NBA, the minimum age requirement is 19. So, based on the fact that you graduate high school at 18, most people or most of the best players go for one year to college to meet that minimum age requirement and then will enter the draft. Some players go play abroad, actually. Some people go play in Europe or whatever it is for that one year and then come go to the NBA for a draft. And um, the NFL has an age requirement of 21, is it, I believe? Um, so then they have to, or 20 or 21, one of those, and you have to play basically for three years in college. Um, the NFL, it's almost unheard of to go uh, to the NFL from playing not in college football. Um, it is just such a, because, you know, there isn't really a, a great infrastructure for co- American football outside of the U.S. Um, so it, it, it wouldn't really make sense to go play outside of the U.S. for that in, instead. And uh, yeah, so most players will go to college and, and play in college football that way. Um, so it, it is a chance for teams to then um, pick players and it is ranked generally. So in the NFL, it's the order of picks. So um, obviously, if you pick a player, the next that player is no longer available for the next person for the next team. 
and the order of picks is generally uh, decided by record. So the worst team will actually get the first pick. And this is a way to try the worst team's record in the league. So, for example, say you have 17 games in the, in, in the NFL season, say you lose all 17 games, you will then get the first pick in next year's draft. The idea with that is to try and um, create parity within the league so you don't have the, the same teams winning over and over and over and over again. And instead, you empower weaker teams to try and uh, even the odds to a certain extent. It's so funny to me that this is happening in the capitalist country <laughs> and not in you somewhere in Europe where you have, you know, buying people out of contracts and stuff like that and a, a more free market stuff. Um, it's kind of funny how it's the other way around in terms of, you know, economic, basic economic structure and, uh, and sports. Well, I think it's a consequence of the strong labor unions that the leagues have had over the years. Mm. And I would also argue that the U.S. is not the most capitalist country in the world, but we can talk about that on another day. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, that was maybe uh, a little bit facetious. <laughs> yeah, no, it's perfectly fine. And this that's a comment I get quite often when I explain this to people. It's not a, a new thing that I've heard um, because I've had this, many, this conversation many times. People have always asked me, how does this work? Because it's very confusing. But mm. the idea is... Um, it's very different also. So, for example, in the European soccer leagues, for example, you have relegation and you have different leagues of teams. And uh, if you're bad in one year, you get punished by pu getting pushed down to another league. Um, that is very different in the way that it works in college. Uh, sorry, in, the, in North America, because um, the leagues are basically managed by the owners of the 30 or 32 teams or however many mm. teams are in that league. And the owners will not accept the fact that you'll potentially get relegated to another league. That doesn't really make sense. It's, it's anti, um, you know, it's, it's anti the interests of the owners because the fear of getting relegated is something that um, is, you know, an owner will never choose to get relegated. Right. Mm. So why would they set up a system that would eventually lead them to potentially get relegated? <laughs> And also, it, but on the flip side, it also means that revenue is concentrated much more into a smaller number of teams. So to cover mm. the U.S. market, that's why you only have 32 NFL teams and nothing else. No one else can basically get into that. And it, it also develops. It is, it's something that develops over time because the NFL um, emerged as a merger between the NFL and the AFL, which were two competing um, American football leagues in the 1960s. And they merged, I believe, in 1969, I think. The first Super Bowl was played in 1966, which was the champion of the AFL versus the champion of the NFL. And then they officially uh. merged their leagues um, a couple of years later. So football has a much longer history. And I mean, this is this goes to different leagues. So the ABA uh, and the NBA were two competing leagues. Um, um, and... It, in, in basketball before they merged. So it is, it is a very common story that you see. And even till today, the NL and the AL are the two, they still call them leagues uh, in base baseball, which the winners of which will then play um, in the championship. So it, it really, um, that, that's how the system is structured. So these are competing leagues that eventually do merge together um, with slowly over time. So um, I, I think this, it all goes back to, so the draft system is an asset that is given to each team uh, as, as a right, but then that asset then can be swapped with uh, other teams. So for example, if you have a draft pick, so you, the NFL, for example, has seven rounds in their draft. So each team will by, by default get at least seven picks. But 
if say you covet or you want a player on another person's team, you can then say, okay, you could say to that team, let me give you our draft pick um, for next year. So wherever our record ends up, you can get our pick and uh, you can then in return, give us this player that we want that's on your team. Why that is the case um, in the NFL or in American sports, unlike in European soccer, where you often see transfer fees are the biggest um, indicator or um, lubricator of, uh, of uh, transfers. <laughs> it, uh, it's, that goes down to revenue and how revenue is shared among the teams in the NFL or the different sports in the U.S. So um, revenue is evenly distributed amongst the teams um, as opposed, uh, outside of um, ticket sales. And that's the thing that is very different than in the in European soccer teams, um, where you have a higher percentage of revenue going to a smaller number of teams uh, than in the NFL uh, or in the other, other, other leagues. And I think also the exclusivity of the league itself also uh, creates a system where which there are no actual poor teams that need money and also, on top of that, um, each NFL team, so every team has a different, every league has a different rule for this. But, for example, in the NFL, you have um, a salary cap. And the salary cap is uh, a limit to which, uh, or above which the team cannot uh, uh, exceed for playing their players. And that salary cap is actually determined by the revenue of the league. So by mm. negotiations by the NBA, the NFL Players Association, or the Players Union and the NFL League, um, and this was after multiple different lockouts in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Um, the the salary cap is defined as 51% of the revenue of the NFL divided by the number of teams. So that it basically means that the players get a right to 51% of the revenue of the league. And so oh. that salary cap is then def uh, so it is it creates a system by which the players um, get what they call their fair share and no team can then over and outspend everyone else to maintain their success. So instead of outspending their, um, their competition, they have to outsmart their competition. Yeah. I like that. I like that system way more than paying someone 200 million where, where some other competitors can only pay like a million. <laughs> but exactly. I think I stumbled over this thing called designated players where oh, you man. have <laughs> I think it is you can swap no you, you like three you have three players that are allowed to earn more than the salary cap or something like that yeah so okay so in all the leagues and actually I can flip the NBA for this because they have more exceptions for this but in all the leagues or sorry the NFL and the NBA for example I don't know the the salary cap rules um, in the other sports, baseball has a, a weird fuzzy salary cap and didn't have one at all for a while. So you had that mm. rich team, poor team dynamic. Uh, but so you have exceptions for which you can go over the salary cap. And these are often to incentivize teams to be able to afford to keep their players. So um, if you want to keep your player on your team, um, sometimes you want to incentivize the so, so yeah, to incentivize players to stay at their team that they were drafted. So if you draft a player and they get really good, but then you're in a weird financial tricky situation, you want to sometimes allow the team to be able to keep the players because of fandom and, you know, people get attached to their players. And um, so there are some exceptions by which you can go over the salary cap and you can then exclude their salary from the salary cap. But those certain exceptions 
are um, are defined are predefined. For example, so mm. um, for example, the NBA has 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 quite a, little, a lot of exceptions. Um, one is called uh, the bird rights. So bird rights refer to Larry Bird, who was a famous NBA player, uh, a very you know talented NBA player in the eighties, and um, this rule was put into place in order basically to for the Boston Celtics, the team that drafted him, to be able to keep him beyond his uh, his years. Or they keep him on the team. So what this meant, so this rule until this until this day is that if you have a, t- a player that you drafted, and then you've kept them for a certain amount of years, um, then then in, when you in giving them an extension, you're able to them then give them uh, more money um, to stay with you as opposed to then where they can go to other teams on a different market. Mm-hmm. So that again incentivizes smaller market teams to be able to keep their players, and especially that's more more of a thing in the nba because in the nba you have what's called a soft salary cap so a soft salary cap refers to what i mentioned earlier in terms of a limit um to the the amount you can pay players but then you can you can go over that um freely as you wish but um if you go over that uh, number you have to then pay what's called a luxury tax and that is essentially (laughs) um taxes that get or a fee uh, to go over the cap, and you can do that, but that fee then gets redistributed to all the non-salary, uh, non-luxury tap, tax playing teams. So basically, you then, if you go over it and you want to spend more money and you want to be a rich team like in New York or San Francisco, uh, you can then pay extra money, but it's a an incredible amount. Sometimes it's double the amount of the actual entire salary cap, and then oh, wow. you're actually ending up paying the other teams. So, for example, um, the the Golden State Warriors of this year, the team based in San Francisco, has the largest um, salary or, yeah, the largest payroll in uh, the history of the NBA. And um, their salary, I think their base salaries, uh, I think the salary cap, which is like, I think, $250 million, something like that for the year. Mm. And their, their penalty is... Um, two hundred and thirty million for the year, and huh. that two hundred thirty million is money that just comes out of their pocket, and they have to basically redistribute it to the other teams. So again, Damn. they're trying to disincentivize teams so, so that they can have, um, you know, more parity and more teams in smaller markets mm. that can keep up. Um, so yeah, there's there's a couple different things like that. So money is very very rarely transferred between different teams uh, when there are trades because money isn't as much of an incentive or a barrier for teams as it is in Europe. Interesting, but is so so do teams have to wait until a player is out of contract and eligible for a draft or are there ways that teams can still get a get a player from another team who's under contract you just mentioned swaps maybe that that is an option i don't know yeah so that's what a trade is so when you you can trade for at any point um actually no there's a deadline every year at which you can no longer make a trade for Mm -hmm. that the rest of that um that year but before the trade deadline you can uh, trade your players for other players on other teams um, as long as their salaries somewhat match, so you can't like just trade one amazing player for like a piece of shit player that ha- makes mm-hmm. no money. So you have to try to make it somewhat equal. Um, I mean, it's just within a certain percentage, of course. And actually, let me just clarify as well. So the draft is not for all players who are out of contract. The draft is for young players who have never been in the league. So uh, once I you're see. in okay. the league once, and then you're out of contract, so your contract expires, you're what a, what's called a free agent. 
Yeah. And then at that point, you're able to sign with any other player, any other team, um, f- without any transfer. F- there's no obviously there's no transfer fee because you're out of a yeah. contract. Um, actually, that's something. So free agency is something that actually in Europe wasn't one European wide. I think until 2004 or something mm-hmm. really crazy like that. Because and in in America has, was one in the early 90s. Um, and that is basically because in sports previous to free agency, in every in every contract there was a clause, um, and basically it said that after your contract is up with us, we get to basically determine where you go next, and um, if you and then that led to players not being able to resign at their at their leisure wherever they wanted to go to any of the other teams. So free yeah. agency was actually it was a court cases that went on both in the European high courts and in the U.S. Uh, federal courts to um, negotiate with uh, different leagues. And it, it, it actually really shocked me when I recently read that it was actually one quite rec- uh, in 21st century mm-hmm. in Europe. Um, so it's uh, it was really interesting to see that the case was entirely different before free agency began in um the uh, yeah in, in these leagues and there's also a free agency window as well um, for the new year so once the new league year starts that's when you can sign the free agency players um, but then again there's 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 a time window in which um, you can do that I mean there's a beginning to yeah. when you can do that there's no end um, unless once the season's over but uh, before <laughs> that yeah you can sign any player you want off the scrap heap yeah okay so it's then the teams just basically compete by who does has the best bid for a free agent yeah um, either length of years or um, mm-hmm. or like length of contract or amount of money depends on the player yeah. that they want or yeah. or any other reason right maybe we're the best team you want to come join us that's yeah. that's, a, that's a quite uh, common uh thing yeah okay. but more often than not the best players don't reach free agency because once there's a sense that they're going to leave um teams will try to trade them for some assets so they don't lose them for nothing yeah, that sounds. Yeah, that reminds me of European football. Where, but again, you know, not money. It's just always no, no, draft of picks course. and and other players. What's the way I always draw? It's, it's all about. It's an asset so, game, right? Yeah. So so draft picks are also an asset that teams can trade. It's probably one of the most, if not the most, valuable asset you can trade. Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, okay. depending on what it is. So you don't want to trade, like especially for bad teams. If you can get a, if you can get a draft pick from a bad team, whew, you're, you you <laughs> have a very valuable asset there. Um, yeah, so, for example, absolutely. the Philadelphia Eagles have the the New Orleans Saints first round draft pick next year, which turns out to be a very very good pick, and that's an mm. incredible asset. That, for example, next year if they want, they have the flexibility to trade their own first round pick, and they yeah. can keep the Saints pick. So that means that I mean, I mean, they could also also take two players in the first round. That'd be incredible as well. So it mm. just it leaves you with so much more flexibility. Uh, that's interesting, though. So you, I didn't even really think about this, but yeah, of course, it's kind of you're kind of banking on the teams that you get the draft picks from to be bad the next the coming season. Yes. So I think that's yeah. people try to strategically have certain teams mm-hmm. <laughs> picks if they can. And yeah. often you'll see, so this happens more. The NBA has more transactions than the NFL, generally speaking. So this is why I'm using a lot of NBA examples, even though we started talking about football. But in the NBA, for example, you'll get one pick that'll get traded over and over and over and over and over again. So say, <laughs> say you get the tip pick up, let's say the Sacramento Kings. They're a bad team. You get their first yeah. first round pick. And um, 
the, it gets traded to the New Orleans Pelicans. And then they're like, okay, then they want to make a trade with another team. And then they'll trade it to the uh, the New York Knicks. And then they'll trade it to the Milwaukee Bucks and then eventually. <laughs> so it's really interesting. And the more sometimes, because you can trade a pick, for example, in the NBA, you could trade a pick up to seven years in advance. You never wow. know what that seven years is going to look like. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a higher risk, high reward because it becomes more valuable. You can get more for it. Um, mm. So it's it's really it's a really interesting thing. So for example, recently there's been a debate. So the in in the NBA where I don't know you've heard of the Los Angeles Lakers, yeah? Yes. And you've heard of LeBron James, right? Yes. So okay, so LeBron James uh, p- plays for the Lakers now, and um, they have a really bad team and LeBron James is getting old. So the question mm. for the Lakers is, do they try and get better this year to la- maximize the end of LeBron's career? But in doing so, they will have to then sacrifice future draft picks, which will screw them in the future. So they're mm-hmm. only eligible now to sell their 2027 first round pick and their 2029 <laughs> first round pick. And by then, yeah. LeBron will be out of the league and they will be screwed at not having their picks. But if mm. they don't do that, their team now can't compete for a championship and they're wasting essentially one of the last years of one of the best players of all time. So yeah. it, it's a really interesting um, uh, it's a strategic game you're playing all the time with the other teams because it isn't a fa- just a factor of outspend your opponents. Yeah, that really reminds me of something that happened in football this this year with uh, Barcelona who is just, you know, one of the most famous football clubs. But they have a lot of debt. They have, I think it was 1.4 billion euros of debt. And because they, because of the way that it works in the Spanish Primera División, you have to, you know, you can only, uh, you know, you, you have to balance out income and and what you pay like basically yeah income and debt and basically what you're spending your money on which you know mostly comes down to salaries and so they bought a lot even though they were highly in debt they bought a lot of amazing players all from all over europe this season and everybody was wondering how can they do that because that's that shouldn't be possible but they just sold a lot of future income basically i think they sold like 25 percent of their their what was it i think tv revenue for 25 years and obviously that is a bad deal but they are not great at managing the situation there right now but that's kind of what it reminds me of yeah, financial fair play rules in European divisions is the closest thing that you get to this kinds of restrictions on managing yeah. teams. To what extent they actually matter? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a joke, and it's done on an individual level, not a league level. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there is no incentive in Europe to do that on a league level because then you're putting your league at a competitive disadvantage versus other exactly. leagues immediately. So it's if it's something that should be done, would be able to be done, it would have to be at a European wide level and. Good luck getting the five leagues, at least the major five leagues, to agree on anything. Yeah. Um, so, let, I mean, it took them forever to even just like think about uh, uh, restructuring the Champions League, and in their proposal, eh. um, so like it, it's a it's a really interesting difference when you consider um, how do you balance the interests of the richer teams and the less rich teams, and I think that because of the fact that this was, I think, um, decided earlier on in the U.S. and how to manage these things, 
and where there yeah. was less money in sports period then i think <laughs> that actually led itself to create a i oddly honestly i would say a fairer system uh, oh than yeah in, in in europe oh yeah it's only going to go downhill from here <laughs> in europe for sure um yeah but it's... i'd really recommend like there's there's so many interesting um aspects of north american sports in that way the business side of it because mm. you never think about debt of a team that's something that i had never really thought of yeah. before coming to europe because i've never heard the word oh this team's in debt who the fuck mm -hmm. cares like there is no such thing as debt in that way because all yeah. teams make a lot of money and some teams are, you know owners are richer owners are not as rich because they they have they can only put a certain amount into the team and yeah. because you can only play pay the players a certain amount Obviously, you can buy and you can build facilities and you can build stadiums and all that stuff. And that tends to happen quite a bit. But often that's a tax subsidized and da, 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 da. there's a lot of like crazy shit that goes on with those kinds of financing. But it's it's never really a question of is a team going to go bankrupt like it could potentially like yeah. Barcelona could potentially go bankrupt with all this crap they're pulling. Yeah. I mean, you know, all the ownership stuff is also really messy over here. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, the U.S. has a lot of shitty owners as well. I mean, uh, yeah. for example, Dan Snyder just this this week was sued for um, uh, creating a toxic work environment for uh, female employees, mm. and so that's great. Wow. That's I mean, he's been pressured for a long time to sell. I think mm. eventually, I think it'll come soon. Um, Robert Sarver mm -hmm. earlier this year was. Um, was sued was was he sued i don't know if he was sued but it, it like uh allegations came to light of uh racist and misogynistic uh comments in the workplace and he mm -hmm. is selling his team now um there was a very famous uh controversy about a decade no, less than a decade ago maybe seven years ago um with uh, donald sterling who was the owner of the los angeles clippers who was on tape um uh, basically referring to um, his players as uh, it with racist and uh, negative comments and then he was eventually his he refused to sell and his wife essentially declared him medically unfit to to manage his team and he was oh, able wow. she was able to uh, uh able to sell the team uh, on his behalf um to steve Ballmer, who was one of the the, the number two at microsoft yeah, um, yeah. so you have like <laughs> a lot of interesting like uh or not interesting <laughs> interesting i guess is a, is a positive way but crazy people that own these yeah. i mean when you have a collection of billionaires there's always going to be assholes in there um and yeah. <laughs> it, it's really interesting i think one thing that's interesting as well though is you have less foreign investment in the u.s mm. teams yeah. uh, i mean you have foreign like joe sai who's a alibaba founder he owns uh, the oh. brooklyn nets for example um mm. you have a few other like foreign i mean sadiq khan not sadiq khan who honestly is not the mayor of london <laughs> another <laughs> that's a totally different person yeah. wow. uh, i forget his name um crap what's it a, another um uh, another um guy of southeast uh, south asian descent with connection to the uk owns the jacksonville jaguars <laughs> i can't remember his name right now and that makes me really sad um <laughs> but you get some of that but you don't get as much as you would get in you know I mean, name me an English team that's actually owned by an Englishman. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I don't think there is any. Uh, <laughs> it's Shahid Khan, by the way. Thank you. Oh, I wasn't that off. No. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, so there's a there's a lot of interesting things when you 
think about uh, how sports work in these two different markets, as well as mm. um, the incentivizing structures for maintaining uh, fair play across the board and creating a competitive environment. Because in the end, it's an entertainment product, and you want to have as many player, as many fans, and people invested in their teams because you want them to have hope of potentially winning a championship or being on the road to winning a championship. And I think that's what, in my mind makes uh, the, the structure that the U.S. sports have created, I think, more um, enticing. And then also, if you look at it from a team-by-team um, a -team basis, more successful monetarily than uh, European soccer, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. Thanks for, you know, illuminating a few points for me. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's obviously a huge topic. Um, but um, maybe we should uh, integrate some drafts into Serially Hooked in the future are you gonna trade me some draft picks for some assets <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's talk about this off air all right all right uh thank you so much uh always love talking about this kind of stuff i could talk about this as i like as i did today with literally zero prep off the cuff yeah. for hours and hours and hours so <laughs> thank you so much